Welcome to the Smiling Homeschooler Podcast. My name is Ben Wilson, and this week we have a really cool episode. My dad, Todd Wilson, had Dr. Gary Chapman, author of The Five Love Languages, on the other podcast that he has to talk about his newest book. It's a great interview, and Dr. Chapman has a lot of wisdom to share, so we hope you enjoy this special episode. Before we start, I just want to say thank you to Teaching Textbooks for all of their support of The Smiling Homeschooler. They are one of the best math curriculums around, and we believe they help more homeschoolers smile. So go check them out over at teachingtextbooks.com. But here is Dad with the Family Man Show. What if my teenager turns out to be like me? Family Man Show with Todd Wilson. This is the show where we remind dads of what's most important. I'm your host, Scott Moore. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, Todd, how's it going? Well, Scott, before we uh, bring in our special guests, I just wanted to let the world know that uh, we had our reveal last night. You know what that is, right? You're pregnant. <laughs> I am not pregnant. That would be revealing. Um, but, you know, uh, so we have four grandchildren. We just had two that were born. Sam had Cohen and uh, Ben and Rissa. They had Anderson or Anders. And Catherine is pregnant and she's due in February. But we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. So we had the big reveal party, you know, because that's how they do it now. Yeah. And uh, they had a, a dartboard with like, I think, 16 black balloons on it. And everybody got to throw a dart. And when it hit a balloon, it just popped. But if it hit the reveal balloon, either blue glitter or pink glitter would come out. And I think my son Ike hit it and it was pink glitter. So we are going to have another baby girl. And so that's super exciting. And, uh, you know, I think I don't know if everybody was rooting for it, but I know that we were all excited. And Catherine knew like a couple days before, but she wasn't going to tell us. And both Debbie and I were like, it's going to be a boy because if she had been a girl, if it had been a girl, she would have been too excited to hide it, but she hit it well. So, wow, that's awesome. So that's kind of exciting. So that's fun. So anyway, how are things going with you, Scott? Fantastic. Fantastic. Big stuff. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's nothing different here. It's the same as always. Same as always. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it gray and rainy there? Yes. It's, it's been gray rain. and rainy. I'm just such a, I'm really a terrible Christian because, you know, I mean, <laughs> God gives us so much and I'm like so thankful for all the beautiful weather, you know, that we've had and it's been warm and it's still warm. Um, and you know, I get like two gray rainy days and I'm like, this is cruddy weather. I mean, this is just terrible, but I'm kind of like that in my walk, you know, like everything's going good and I'm so thankful. And then we hit a little hard spot and I'm like, I can't believe this. I just can't believe that, you know, we have to go through this and I'm thinking, what kind of son am I that, uh, is maybe like, maybe I'm a normal son. (laughs) Maybe that's it. I'd fit right in with the Israelites, man. I'd be one right. complaining about why do we got to eat this stuff again, man? Exactly. On a pizza. Exactly. Exactly. So I've been kind of grumbling, but I'm trying not to. Trying not to. 
But also, uh, I've got the RV out and I'm replacing the flooring. Once again, uh, this is the third time that I've replaced the flooring in our RV. In fact, I have a little heart drawn in the middle of the floor that I'd forgotten I'd put it there. It's like first renovation this date, second renovation this date. Now I added the third renovation. But uh, again, kind of with an eye of maybe selling it uh, because we had kind of a laminate plank flooring and the cold weather was not kind to it and it pulled it all apart. So I've got it all out and I'm working on that. And Didn't you just put that in a couple of years ago? Five years ago. Yeah. I put in five years ago. Can you believe that? Wow. So it's a big job. I mean, I didn't realize I forgot. And I was thinking I could just, you know how you always plan to do it the easy way and it turns into the hard way. Can't we just like pick up the seats, move them to the back, lay down the front and then move everything back into position. And I was thinking I won't have to take everything out. Well, I ended up taking everything out, taking it all out of the RV, filling up my garage because the easy way didn't work. Isn't that so, why you have a barn? That's right. I could. <laughs> In fact, that is a great, that was brilliant because I'm out there on our uh, basketball court and thinking it's going to rain any minute. It's getting dark and I'm trying to cut this vinyl. Um, and, and Ben goes, why don't you just put it in the barn where the RV was? And I'm like, that <laughs> is a great idea <laughs> um, because I've got this huge space over there that I could have done that. But I don't know. I, I didn't. But now I am. So I'm going to try to cut the rest of that today. Maybe see if I can get it in the uh, RV and get it put back together. But right now we're getting ready. Uh, we're going to take off in... In about a month, uh, head down to Florida for a little R and R. So trying to get that all ready, trying to figure all that out with kids and grandkids, and life is good. Life is good. Wow. Well, Scott, we've got a very special guest with us today. I don't even feel like he needs an introduction. We've got Dr. Gary Chapman, and I, you know he has a bio thing here, and everybody knows him. He's been around for I'll, I'll say a while. And he's he's written uh, five love languages that we've all gone through and we've all benefited from. He's got a list of other books and we've heard him on the radio. So I'm just going to welcome on the show. Dr. Chapman, thank you for being on our show today. Well, thank you, Todd. It's great to be with you. Well, he has a new book coming out. It's called Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. And when I saw the title, I thought, you know, that's something that uh, we can all benefit from because I know those days we have eight children. Scott's got a bunch and and I can remember thinking in my own arrogant head when my kids were little, this is really not so hard. If you'll just do it, you know, if you'll just do it God's way, this will be easy. And I can remember parents saying along the way, other dads going, yeah, well, they're not teenagers yet. And I'm thinking, I won't have a problem. <laughs> and then I had teenagers and all of a sudden their blood thickened there. You know, these outgoing kids got moody and this wave of emotion hit them. And I found myself saying ugly things and getting my kids into tears who I love to death. And I know there are a lot of dads listening who feel the very same way. So let me ask you at this time, you know, you'd written a lot of things. Why a book? like this? Well, you know, earlier I had written uh, things I wish I'd known before we became parents. Mm. And uh, so it had been out a while and I had many couples saying to me, hey, you know, you know, we read that book and it was really helpful. Uh, but now they're going to be teenagers and, and, and something's happened. Uh, they're just totally different now. 
so why don't you write, write one for parents of teenagers? And uh, and I, I thought, you know, I'd like to, I like the idea of, I wish I'd known these things before we had teenagers. If I had known these things, I think I would have been able to process it better. But I didn't either. I didn't, I didn't know this. I, you know, our daughter, you really could have raised herself, you know. And then we had a son. And, and I mean, from the very beginning, he was hard, you know, in the early years. But teenage years? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I wish I had known a little bit of what I know now back then. So I hope I can help some fathers and mothers as they, you know, realize, oh, this, this child's moving to the teenage years here. I need to learn mm. some things about what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's exact. That's, this is my theory why God maybe created Adam and Eve as post-teenagers. Because I don't think that the animals would have ever gotten named. You know, they, they, they would have said, why do we have to name them? You know, can we just name one of them? Uh, so, well, you, you talk kind of about, you know, brain development, you know, and how does that change and take a normal kid and then change them into still normal, but different? Yeah. Well, I think uh, because that's one of the transition times of the brain. You know, about three years of age and then in the beginning in the teenage years, the brain is really kind of refiguring itself. And uh, one of the aspects of that with teenagers is they're beginning to develop logical thought. So when they were a kid, you could say, because I said so. Mm. <laughs> but as the teenagers, they're thinking, well, that's just not right. I mean, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. And we say they're argumentative. But really, they're developing logical thought. Mm. And so they're thinking about all the things that you've taught them, all the things you've done through the years. And, and, and they're trying to decide, is this, is this true or is it not true? And this is good because we want them to develop logical thought. Now, now please hear me. Don't, don't hear me saying they're logical. Right, <laughs> I'm saying right. They're developing right. logical thought. And that uh, means expresses itself in uh, questioning. Uh, things you've said in the past and, and rules that you might have for them and that sort of thing. And really, that's what we want, isn't it? I mean, we've we've trained them all this. And then we're kind of surprised when they go, they use that training against us. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, we want them to learn uh, how to make wise decisions. And so uh, questioning is a part of that. And so when they're questioning us, we should just take it as a sign of growth, you know, mm. and, and discuss it with them. They say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, tell me your perspective on that. You know, what, what are you thinking? And, and listen and ask questions so that they can discuss and share their ideas. And then, and then don't argue with them, but say, you know, I can see how you'd think that. You know, mm. I, I, I think when I was your age, I probably thought, thought that same thing, you know. But let me share this, you know. And, and that, then they walk away thinking, okay, I was heard. You know, I was heard. And, and my parents, uh, you know, give me their perspective. And I'm going to think about that. So, we, we continue to influence them in the process if we will listen to them and then, you know, have affirming responses to them. Mm -hmm. Well, you talk about several different elements, but you say that one of the fundamental needs that all teens have, which we all have, is to be loved. You know, it sounds really easy to do when we're talking here, uh, you know, but, you know, when they're ugly and we're ugly and the emotions are flowing freely, that's really hard to do, but that's really, that's an anchor to them. How do we do that? Well, remember that uh, the biblical love starts not with a feeling, but with an attitude. Mm. So if we first of all have to have the attitude of love toward our children, which means I'm here to enrich your life. But then the emotional part is important. 
And that's why I think the love language concept has been so helpful through the years. First of all, to couples, married couples. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote, you know, one for parents of children of teenagers. And then the five love languages of teenagers, because they have, just like we have, the emotional need to feel loved. Mm-hmm. And, and the most important person in their life is their parents. If they feel loved in those teenage years by their parents, they're going to grow up emotionally healthy. But if they don't feel loved in the teenage years, they will go looking for love and often in the wrong places. So that's why I think understanding the teenager's love language and speaking it on a regular basis, even though you might have you know, negative feelings toward how they have behaved or how they're talking to you or whatever, you speak their love language because listen, God loves us unconditionally. We can't do anything to make God stop loving us. <laughs> He's the model, you know, and his love is poured into us. So we have the attitude of love. We're going to speak their love language. And I also, you know, I wrote a little book some time ago for the teenager called uh, a teen's guide to the five love languages. So if the teenager reads that and then you read that, you both are on the same page in terms of, well, yeah, we, we love each other. We want to make sure we're communicating love. Because the teenager needs to learn how to give love as well as receive love. So, hey, your mother has a love language. <laughs> hey, your daddy has a love language. Your siblings have a love language. Let's create love in our family. So uh, the teen that gets that concept is ahead of the game in terms of really feeling loved by the parents. And really this, I mean, I was going to ask this question, and maybe I'll still ask it a little bit later. But um, this is so huge that it, it really is kind of, a path home too, when a child has maybe walked away. Because again, I get emails from dads who will say, my son says he's a girl now, or my daughter, you know, is running around with all these kind of people and she doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And yet somehow we have to love them even in that. And it really does draw them back. How do we do that? Well, you know, I think uh, expressing to them the concept, and even in the words, I love you no matter what you do. Mm. Now, I'm hurt and I'm pained when I see you make decisions that I know in my heart are going to hurt you in the future. And, it, and I, I'm pained as a parent when that happens. But I love you no matter what you do. See, th- this is God's kind of love to us. Mm-hmm. You know? So we, we, we're just verbalizing it to them. I don't always like what you do. And sometimes I'm very hurt by the way you speak to me or way you, the decisions that you're making in life. But I love you no matter what. I'm here for you because I'm your dad or I'm your mom and I love you. So that, that kind of unconditional love expressed to that child, but if you don't express it because they, don't, they won't necessarily feel it because of our, our responses to them sometimes. You know, when they bring up these things that are way out of line from our perspective, and we, we, and we come back with harsh words and you got to get that out of your mind. And we preach them a little sermon and <laughs> anger, you know, and we just push them further away. I mean, who wants to be drawn to that? You know, they're drawn to what they're into. But if you communicate, I love you no matter what you do. But as a parent, I have to tell you what I believe is best for you because I want you to have the best possible life, not just now, but in, in, the, in your future. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to give guidance to you. And I know that you can make decisions that displease me, you know, but I want you to know, I love you. I don't care what Mm. you do. And really that's where dad and a mom just can't give up because I I, I get some comfort that the Israelites, you know, even said to God, well, how, how do you love me? 
you know, you, you don't love me. You know, and I and I think if he can give perfect love and they still didn't get it, sometimes our kids don't get it. And we can't say, well, I tried it. You know, yeah. I'm done. Well, you also talk about as a role model, you know, and what happens when a teen has a poor model and their parents. What do you mean by that? Uh, I, what I'm trying to communicate is that our model, that is the way we live our lives, is more important than our words. And especially to a teenager, because the teen is judging you by the way you respond to them. Mm. And uh, I think one of the most sobering questions I've ever asked myself is, what if my teenager turns out to be like me? Mm. What if they turn out to handle anger the way I handle anger? You know, and just, just kind of just look at my own life, because mm. the way I model things is going to have a greater impact on them than the words that I tell them. Now, the words are important. I mean, we need to give instruction and guidance to be sure verbally. But if our model doesn't live up to what we teach them, there's a gap between those two. They have a hard time respecting us mm -hmm. because we're, we're saying one thing to them, but they look at our life and they say, you know, we're not even following what we teach. And so that's why apologizing is important to a teenager. Yeah, parents have said, well, wait a minute, if I apologize to my teenager, won't they lose respect for me? No, they gain respect. They already know that you're wrong. <laughs> right, 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 right. So right. you lose your temper and yell at your kid and say hateful things. You need to come back and apologize and say, you know, listen, I remember when I did that, you know. I, in fact, I, I'll tell you one of the saddest nights of my <laughs> life is when uh, my son and I got into an argument. And he's probably 14, maybe 15. And uh, we were just yelling at each other, you know, and I was saying hateful things and he was saying hateful things. And in the middle of it, he walked out the front door and slammed the door. And when he did, I woke up mm. and I said, oh, God, I thought I was further along than this. Yelling at the son I love. <sighs> and I poured my heart out to God, you know. Man, I, I tell you, I, I appreciate the, the cross of Jesus. <laughs> Poured my heart out to God and asked him to forgive me. And when my son walked back in, finally, I said, Derek, could you come in here a minute, son? And I just apologized to him. Mm. I said, no father should ever talk to a son the way I talk to you. And I said hateful things to you. And that's not the way I feel about you. I love you very much. And I just poured my heart out to him. And I said, I hope you can forgive me. And he said, and this is, this made the saddest night, the happiest night. He said, dad, that was not your fault. He said, I started that mm -hmm. and I should not talk to you that way. And he said, when I was walking up the road, I asked God to forgive me. And I want to ask you to forgive me. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Mm -hmm. We That's hugged awesome. each other. We cried. Then I said, Derek, why don't we try to learn together how to handle anger? So the next time you feel angry toward me, just say, dad, I'm angry. Can we talk? And I'll listen to you. And the next time I'm angry with you, I'll just say, Derek, I'm angry. Can we talk? And, and, and you can listen to me and we'll talk our way through anger instead of yelling at each other. And that was a turning point. It was a turning point for me and it was a turning point for him. And together we learned how to handle anger. So that's what I mean by apologizing. What might've happened though, had you let that door slam and you'd say, wait, it's his fault. You know, he better get, you know, because I hear that with some dads yeah. and really bad things happen after that. Absolutely. If we blame everything on them, you know, 
And uh, we, we come across to them that way. You know, you, you, I just can't believe you and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They want to stay away from us. And they're not attracted to us, mm. you know, and they're not open to anything, any teaching we want to give because we've condemned them. See, when they feel condemned and put down by you and that you don't love them, then whatever you're trying to teach them, their mind's not open to it. Their heart's not open to it mm. because they've already decided, you know, you don't love them. You don't think they're worthwhile. So, yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things we can learn as parents of teenagers is to apologize when we blow it. Mm. And, and you're t you're talking to a lot of dads right now because dads are typified by not being very good apologizers. Um, yeah. And it, it is big. I mean, and, and it really with sons, we're teaching our sons how to apologize so that they may teach their sons how to apologize. And it just keeps on going. Yeah, absolutely. Because what we discovered is 10% of the adult population in our country almost never apologizes for anything. And most of them are men. Mm. And many of them were taught by their fathers. Real men don't apologize. Mm. And we know where they got that. John Wayne, that great theologian. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and what I say to a guy when he says that, you know, I say, listen, your dad was probably a fine guy and he probably tried and did the best he could, but he had bad information, man. Mm -hmm. Real men do apologize. And if mm -hmm. you don't learn to apologize, your son's going to grow up to be like you. And he won't apologize to his wife either. Wow. Wow. And really, it is amazing to me how resilient our children are. And we can blow a big time and we do blow a big time. But that simple, I'm sorry, a guy can remember saying to my child, you don't deserve to have a dad like me. And I said, do you know how much I love you? And he said, I do, dad. And I'm like, how could you? I'm so mean. And I, but he did. He wanted to be right with me. Yeah. And, yeah. Just, and here's another thing. If that teenage hears you, yell or speak harshly to your wife, mm. but he never hears you apologize to her. And if you apologize in private, the next night at dinner, you tell the kids last night, I, I know you kids heard me and I spoke harshly to your mother. No husband should ever talk that way to his wife. And I apologized to your mother last night and she forgave me, but I won't apologize to you kids mm. because I set a terrible model for you yelling at your spouse. That should never be. So I hope you guys will forgive me too. Yeah. You don't have to worry about they they will forgive you. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 Your wife won't as quickly, but your your kids will. Your kids will. <laughs> well, yeah, you say in the uh, teen years and you not just you, but it's true. Kids often begin to develop their own beliefs, particular religious beliefs. You know, how can we guide our teens in this important area? Because I don't know if it's worse now but I get a window into lots of parents, children, yeah. and I see the things that they're saying and believing Christian kids. Yeah. And I mean, what they're believing is not what the Bible says. Yeah. And I know their parents are just rolling over and thinking, uh, so yeah. how do we deal with that? Yeah. Well, let's face it. Teenagers in today's world are being exposed to religious thoughts of all kinds both in school because we're such a multicultural nation now and also online. And now they also remember we've talked about, they're going through this thing of questioning uh, things that they believed and were taught through the years. And so that's carried over into the religious area. And so they meet somebody at school who's in, of another faith and they start talking to them and what's that like? And how do you, how, how, you know, they learn more about this. 
And then they come home and start talking to you and say, you know, I was talking to a guy who is this or this or this. And here's what he was saying. You know, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, and so you say, oh, you, you, go, <laughs> you go into shock and say, oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, but listen to them. Uh, first of all, listen to them. Let them tell you what they, what they heard from this other person or what they've read about this other religion. And, and then, you know, you can say to them, you know, honey, yeah, yeah that, that there's, a, there's a lot of good things in religion, you know, and there are a lot of good teachings in other religions, to be sure. But it all comes back to uh, Jesus. And if they haven't read, for example, the Gospel of John, here's, here's the kind of things you can do with them. You can say, you know, honey, I understand you're thinking and questioning about uh, the faith that mom and I have and, and the, the church we brought you up in. I can understand that. And it's okay. The teenage years are a time to be thinking about those kind of things. So let, let's, uh, let's explore some other religions and then get a book, you know, like Erwin Lutzer's book on, I forget the title of it, but, uh, you know, he was a pastor at Moody Church on other religions. So he gives you, you know, what other religions mm-hmm. believe. And so study it and read it and talk, or any other book on that topic. And, uh, and then, you know, books on the Christian faith, you know, and let them read and discuss with you uh, those, those other religions. So now they can converse with other people, but now they're also learning and making a choice and hopefully to follow Christ. But if we just come down hard on them and say, you shouldn't read that, you shouldn't talk to that person anymore, you know, then, you know, it's like, well, why, why, you know, no, encourage them learning and finding out about other religions, but at the same time, let them read some serious stuff about Christianity. Mm. You know, I was, I was just sharing right before we got on the show that uh, we're, we're um, kind of walking through a life right now with an Amish girl. And we can talk about this because Amish people don't listen to this show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things she was saying about this questioning, he said in the Amish faith, she said, you're not allowed to question anything because any questioning is rebellion and they treat you though. I mean, she, she was saying that the big thing was they all had to wear black shoes and they said, why do we have to wear black shoes? And, and her mother would say, I don't know why we have to wear black shoes, but they said we had to wear black shoes and don't question it. And then she, then they said it was okay to wear white shoes. And she's like, well, if it was wrong then to wear white shoes, why is it right now? You know, and she saw that inconsistency yeah, yeah. and really it drove her to seek answers. And she found, found those answers in the Bible. But, you know, when we just start drawing lines and I, I knew a dad who said, you, you can't wear shorts that are above your knee, even though every other girl in the whole world has shorts <laughs> above her knee. And yeah. it turned into beyond ugliness and yeah. the relationship is totally broken now. Yeah. And I think yeah. that dad still might hold to those lines. Yeah. And while his daughter struggles and has walked away, and that is so sad to me. And again, it's a humbling thing to be a parent. You're and right. Sometimes you're... we have to say, okay, you're right. I'm wrong, you know, or maybe yeah. we're both wrong or whatever. Yeah. You know what happens a lot of times, Todd, is we take the teaching of scripture, or, or pardon me, we take the application of mm. something in the scriptures and then we put the application on the same level with scripture. For example, you know, when the Bible talks about being modest in dress, okay, that, that's, a, that's the principle. And so this, this father says, well, that means you got to have, you know, shorts that are down to your knees. Mm-hmm. That's his application of that, that, of that, you know. But when you take the application and put it on the same level with scripture, now you've gone too far, you know, because uh, what modesty is for one person is not for the other person. So, yeah, and that, that's always a danger. 
yeah, stick to the principle of Scripture. And yes, we do have to apply it, but don't think that everybody's going to make exactly the same application. And sometimes even love lets you apply it differently. Because I remember I, I, as a teenager, I had long hair, and it wasn't because I was rebellious. I just didn't want to stand out because yeah. everybody else had long hair, and <laughs> I'm in a buzz haircut. I'm looking <laughs> like, and I, and I never felt like, Oh, I just want to be wild at heart. I just didn't like to be the only one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, in this in this world of uh, the internet and our teenagers are constantly on it and bombarded with these images, you know, how does that affect our mental health? You know, uh, emotionally, mentally, should we be concerned about all these things? Because, you know, there are a lot of, I get these emails that these dads, or their kids are cutting themselves they're you know starving themselves and it didn't happen when they were little kids yeah. you know it's happening right now yeah and i think those are those are simply signs that things are going on in the mind and heart of that teenager that really need to be addressed you know mm -hmm. those are the symptoms of the deeper problem and that's why in those particular kind of issues if the parent can't get to the root of the thing that's where you really do need a counselor who understands teenagers and can, you know, kind of deal with the underlying issues there. And the underlying issues are some of the kind of things we're talking about in this book is meeting that need for love and, and then teaching that child, you know, how to process ideas and information and make wise decisions and, and all, all of that. So, uh, but often it's because that child doesn't feel, doesn't feel loved and doesn't feel valuable. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you don't love them. You know, I, I say to parents, the question is not, do you love your teenager? By nature, we love our children. Right. It's does the child feel love? Does the teenager feel love? That's the issue. Well, you brought up counselor, you know, uh, you know that, that's a hard thing. I mean, just that word. Um, I know when children hear it, they think, oh, you think I'm broken. You know, and parents, some fathers especially say, I mean, I got a phone call from someone who said, you know, what do we need to do to get this girl fixed and back on to her track of a success as though it is like taking, how do we, how do we do that? You know, cause I know there are some dads and maybe the wives are putting pressure on them to like, we need to get some help. And he's like, ah, they don't need help. They just, they just need to straighten up. How do you, how do we begin? How do we do that? How do we find someone like that? How do we approach our child and say, Hey, this is what we're going to do together, or you're going to do, or yeah. Well, you know, often uh, turning to Christian schools in your community, uh, most Christian schools have mm -hmm. a Christian counselor associated with that school, and if that counselor doesn't have uh, time because they're so involved there, they will know who the other counselors are in the town or the area. And I, here's what I would say in, in terms of helping fathers understand the value of this: if your child had a physical problem. It is a pain in their side physically for three or four days. You'd be getting them to a medical doctor mm. to find out what's wrong. Well, if they've got an emotional problem, why would you ignore it? It gets worse with the passing of time. And so, you know, and these, these symptoms show you there's an emotional problem here. So why not reach out to a counselor, somebody that's trained in this area you know, to, to mm. find out what the deal is and work with that teenager. So uh, that's, that's probably the easiest way to find a Christian counselor is check with the Christian schools in your community. If you have, and if you don't have a school, then check with pastors in your community because pastors normally know uh, who counselors are in the area. Hmm. Well, how about a final question? You know, the dad's listening and he's like, okay, I'm right there. You know, I, I'm knee deep in this. 
Um, you know, and maybe I feel like it's too late. I've seen dads in tears saying I've blown it. You know, it's too late. My daughter, my son won't have anything to do with me. How can they begin to change the course of their teen's future and their relationship together? Yeah. Well, I think one is be open to learning. And that's why I wrote this book, you know, and it's not the only book, of course, it's out there. But if as a father, because a lot of men don't read books on parenting. Okay. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Take the lead. Here, here's an example. Wow. Just get a copy of this book, begin to read it. You're going to see yourself. You're going to see things. You're going to see areas because I deal with the basic things that I wish I had known uh, mm. before I had a teenager. So be learning and uh, be open and honest, be willing to apologize to the teenager and learn their love language. If you don't know that concept, learn their love language because that's their deepest emotional need. And if they don't feel loved by you, that's a part of the problem as to why they're not listening to you while they're rebelling. If they feel loved by you, I don't mean they'll be perfect. If they feel loved by you, they're far more open to having a relationship with you. But for many uh, fathers, it's going to start with an apology. Mm. And just, you know, if the child is really estranged from them, it's just the saying to them, you know, I've been looking at my own life. I've been reading some books on how to be a father. And I realize I, I've blown it in many ways with you. So, so many of what I've done has been bad. And you, you know, and just pour out your heart to them and, and say, I hope you can find your heart to forgive me because I love you very much. And then don't force them to forgive, you know, just give them time to process it and maybe then invite them to lunch or invite them, you know, whatever, depending on where they are and what, what the fracture's like. But listen, there's always hope. As long as they're alive and you're alive, there's always hope because God can work in your heart and God can work in their heart and there can be reconciliation. Mm, what a great place to end. Well, I've got three of those books, things I'd wish I'd known before my child became a teenager. I'll give them away to the first three guys who contact me. And I don't even need to tell you where to go find Dr. Gary Chapman because he's got his own Wikipedia page. I mean, you, <laughs> you can just type in his name and, and you'll find him. But Dr. Chapman, thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time. And uh, I hope a lot of dads take advantage of getting your book and are encouraged by this time together. Well, thank you, Todd. I enjoyed this talking with you and with the guys who are listening. And uh, let me just say to you, keep up the good work, man. I mean, we all, all of us as guys need help. So keep on track and keep in mind. Okay, we will, we will. All right, God bless. Thank you. Well, Scott, that was pretty cool. And I hope uh, you were encouraged by his comments. Uh, I need one of those to... books, man. I'm, uh, <laughs> I need some oh. help. <laughs> I was going to ask him, I didn't want to jump in, but I was going to ask well, you him, what do you do when you, when you think it's okay to spank your 14 year old <laughs> and your wife looks at you sideways going, honey, hey, don't that's do not it. Gonna work. Do it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that question. It's just, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that's yeah. probably page one of his book. So. Uh, from, yeah, probably. <laughs> and I appreciate that, you know, he shared that it wasn't always easy because it, it never is. And dads, I hope you know, you are not alone. This is, this is all of us. You know, when I said that at the very beginning, that I thought it was easy. I did think it was easy. When my kids became teenagers, it got a lot harder. I remember talking to one dad and he's like, he goes, you know, really teenagers years haven't been too hard yet. And I said, do your boys have girlfriends or girls have boyfriends? He goes, no, we haven't done that yet. And I'm like, okay, just wait, <laughs> you know? And it, you know, it just, you're adding all these things. And, and I know there are dads listening right now who, you know, their kids are breaking their hearts, but I think, you know, Dr. Chapman's words of, you know, that love is, I believe it is the way home. And like he said, don't expect 
a right away thing, you know, just because you ask forgiveness and they may not give it to you right away. They might not accept it, but don't give up. Don't give up. They need us to. And I've shared the story probably in the past, but I remember one time I was with my oldest and we were just going back and forth. And it was one of those Dr. Chapman, you know, where he was talking about his son, Derek, and it was ugly and I was ugly. And I said, fine, if you want it that way, that's the way you got it. I'll just, I'm done. And I'll never forget, uh, his, his voice kind of cracked and his eyes teared up and he said, don't give up dad. You know, your child may say to you, I hate you, you know, and I don't want anything to do with you or God, but really what they're saying is don't give up dad. And so dad, we're here with you. We're on the same team. If you need an extra encouragement, email me, familyman at familymanweb.com. Again, uh, let me know you'd like this book, Things I Wish I'd Known Before My Child Became a Teenager. I've got three copies to give away. Um, we'll get those to you or, you know, go buy your own copy. But dad, don't forget you're on an amazing team who are all facing the same things you are. And you keep loving, never giving up. And do it because you to dad. And that's our show for this week, folks. Thanks for joining us for the Family Man Show with Todd Wilson. If you have a question for the show, email Todd at familyman at familymanweb.com. If you have a question for me, you can reach me at scott at unsocializedmedia.com. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Stay